Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davis. You have consent. Subscribe, please. And as you likely know, in previous years, uh, leading into the NBA draft, we've dedicated short episodes of the Eye on College Basketball Podcast to some of the top-tier prospects available. This year, doing the same thing, leading up to the 2022 NBA Draft, which, of course, is scheduled for June 23rd. So we've already done Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, Jabari Smith. Now we turn our attention uh, to produce uh, Jaden Ivey. I've got him going fourth overall to the Sacramento Kings in my latest mock draft posted at CBSSports.com. Dead leg is that? Too high, too low, or just about right? It could be just about right, but uh, last week, uh, KB and I, uh, Kyle Boone and I did a deep piece, long read, 22 minutes. I know you didn't bother. So it's all good. No, I did. I did. I did bother because I fit, honestly, I, I know I got to talk about this stuff nonstop and I could maybe learn something from you guys. So the piece was, listen, you know, Bancaro, Jabari, Chet, there's like a fantastic three-way race for number one going on right now. And, it, and in that, uh, Kyle and I talked to a, a few different scouts and front office people. And in doing this, we wanted to make sure, like, should we include Jaden Ivey in this? Because I, as I mentioned on one of those episodes, um, there's I still have – I have two people maintaining to me that Jaden Ivey is absolutely – Judging off of the conversations they've had and the, the vibe they get, they've had over the past few weeks, Jaden Ivey's probably the number one guy on team sports. Now, Orlando, it's considered unlikely that Jaden Ivey would be the number one guy on Orlando sports. So we ultimately decided not to include Ivey in that piece, but he's got a case. That being said, um, we're going to do a Keegan Murray episode. And I, I wanted to know, all right, let's give me the ranges on these guys. So like Jabari Smith, he'll go one. He will not fall below three. Some scouts were saying with Shet or Paulo, depending on how this goes or if any teams trade up, highest is one. Those guys won't fall below four, but either of them could fall to four. Jaden Ivey's range is as high as two and as low as five. So that's, you know, one of those four spots is where he's going to fall in there. You've got him four. It seems to make the most sense, but there is the, there is the possibility that you could have Oklahoma City or Houston really get taken with this guy and they decide they're going to, they're going to go with him because there's a lot, there's a lot there with Jaden Ivey. Now he is, to me, he is a slight, slight tier below. And the reason why he's a tier below is he's not yet there defensively. If Jaden Ivey was the level of defender that Keegan Murray is, and you consider everything else that's in there, then I think Jaden Ivey would be making this a, a true, like, four horse race for the number one pick. He's just not there. Can he get there? Does he want to get there? I think that's part of it. But um, the other interesting subplot to all this is, you know, the Kings have been terrible forever. They're considered the worst organization in the NBA. And yes, whenever you get drafted, it's a dream come true. 
but there is the representation side of this and you'll take whatever, like you'll take it. But at the same time, you're like, if you're representing the player that goes to the Kings, you wish he'd go, you don't, you wish him go five or six. You just like, it's just an organization that has not proven that it has any competency whatsoever, has a horrible reputation in NBA circles. So as things stand right now, uh, if Jaden Ivey were to go fourth, the situation he's going into could potentially be, you know, really the worst of any player that goes inside the top 10 period. So there's also that to consider, but in terms of where he should go four is fair. Um, if he went second, I would not be stunned. There are a lot of people are still maintaining that he is, he is in that mix. Well, why not? Oklahoma city is definitely, it's a black box in terms of, you know, trying to guess what they're going to do. They just, they drafted Josh Giddy a year ago, GP. It stunned the league, and that wound up being actually a pretty good pick for what they did there. So there's no telling whether or not OKC is like truly going to favor Chet or over any of these other guys. What about your thoughts on uh, Ivy as a prospect? And seem, I mean, you're picking him fourth because I, I, I guess you think I think that's a combination of both how you evaluate him, but really thinking that it's just more likely that the first three teams are just going to have to take the three bigs there because they're so closely evaluated i just think the the top three are going one two three in some order the only one and i would think this is a mistake but i could see it the only one i could see slipping out of the top three um when it comes to paulo jabari and chet is chet i could see somebody just saying i don't want to mess with it i don't believe in it for some reason i don't see any scenario where jabari smith or paulo ben Carroll drops out of the top three but i could see I, this is interesting i think chet should go number one but i could see him falling out of the top three I don't think the other two guys could go number should go number one, although I can understand why they would, and I can't envision either one of them falling out of the top three. Um, but on my big board, I would have Jaden Ivey fourth, and if I'm picking fourth, I'm just taking the best guy available. And you know, I know Sacramento already has De'Aaron Fox, but there's no reason De'Aaron Fox and 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 Jaden Ivey can't play together. And there's some real question. I don't know if you heard this. I'd be interested. I'll ask you okay. when you talk to people. Did anybody question if he's really going to be a point guard? If he's going to play off the ball more than he plays on the ball? Yes. The, uh, one of the biggest things with that is he's like, will he want to be a lead guard instead of a point guard? How much off the ball will he be? Really, really good athlete, good size. I've got an issue with the jaw stuff that we'll get to later in, on the show here. But yes, th- how he will fit is an is a, is a question that is out there because it actually with him really really good talent you want to take the best guy off the board it really might matter though what system he goes to and how he can be plugged in and played because I, I don't see him it's hard for me to see him being a quote-unquote true point guard at the next level or, or sustaining that role considering everything he's shown that he can do when he's playing off ball or just more of that lead guard position the past two years at Purdue. Right. So he, everybody calls him a six, four point guard and that's fine. But like I, he's more of a combo guard uh, from my, from my perspective. And so, you know, when I listed him for to Sacramento, there were some people like Sacramento's already got De'Aaron Fox. Okay. First off, De'Aaron Fox should not be the type of player who prevents you from taking best prospect available. You know, he's good, but like you don't pass on best prospect available because of De'Aaron Fox if you think it's a problem. But even then, I don't even think it's a problem. You could play them together if you want to play them together. Um, the other thing to remember about this is Sacramento could trade the pick. Like Sacramento is trying to be good right now. And, you know, rather than take a sophomore out of college, they could decide to go, you know, with a nearly 22 year old Keegan Murray. Or they could trade the pick and try to get a veteran to help them win right now. 
but either way, I think Jaden Ivey should be fourth in this draft. He's a 6'4 guard, got a 6'9 wingspan, uh, can play on or off the ball. Um, he's obviously, you know, uh, the son of a coach. His mother is the women's coach at, at Notre Dame, uh, was previously an assistant with the Grizzlies organization. Uh, Jaden averaged 17.3 points, 4.9 rebounds, 3.1 assists in 31.4 minutes per game this past season. Shot 46% from the field, 35.8% from three, 74.4% from the free throw line. Good numbers across the board. Um, great frame. And, like, looks big. Not just tall, mm. but big. Looks big. I mean, like, I don't because I don't go to that many games anymore because of, yes. so, but on television, he stands well, out. He stands out in person too. Like, oh, like sure. I, I went up to that Mohegan thing that Purdue, Tennessee, Carolina, yeah. they're all playing in and Ivy had gotten plenty of preseason buzz, but I remember seeing him in person being like, damn, he's got, the, he's got the size. It was undeniable. He actually had a really, really good game in part of that, but yes, he, he looks the part. He, his body will be ready when he steps in yeah. to camps later this summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, like even on TV, he looks big. And so that's great. Great athlete, probably best athlete, at least arguably best athlete in the draft. Explosive, especially in transition. But it's not just in transition where he can get to the rim and punch one, or it's not just in normal transition opportunities. Like there were times you go back and watch film. Um, he'd get the ball in the backcourt and all five opposing players are in front of him. And he still just goes straight to the rim, just flies by everybody, almost like a running back hitting a hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like the whole defense is in front of you, and you just fly by him. Like th- there are moments where he does that. It looks like that. Um, just a terrific first step. Nothing uh, too fancy about what he's doing. Like there's some hesitation stuff in there, but he's mostly just blowing by the primary defender. Um, at times he, and this is where some of the John Morant stuff comes in. He, he does it the same way John Morant often does it like hesitation, crossover, and then just go. Uh, but, and I guess we could focus here a little bit on the John Morant stuff. Cause that is the cop that people bring up. Yeah. First off, he's an inch taller and 20 pounds heavier. Uh, try. I'd look to actually try. How about this? More than that. Jaw coming out six, two and a half, 172 Ivy. Six four, so more than an inch, and he is a thick two hundred pounds. They have, I get it. There are some similarities. Jaw's way twitchier. Jaw was Ivy's a really, really good athlete. Jaw's still a better athlete. Um, yeah. the, I understand it, but if anything, if you're going to draft Jaden Ivy, um, you you might have more faith that he can take the, the hitting. I mean, you know, I can't speak to exactly the reason why Jaw wound up sitting uh, as much as he did with injuries. But it doesn't help that the, the like isn't there you would I would think you'd know this GP doesn't Jaw lead the NBA in in points at the points rim of the, points in the paint it's insane yeah. that should not be happening now it speaks to his fearlessness his athleticism he can't sustain that for a decade in the NBA without missing serious time he's no. just small it can't happen so I know that's probably been a major talking about Memphis my point is though is that Jaden Ivy is more built for it and also he can shoot more. F- frequently from deep that he's not going to have to rely on that. Like John Morant was, did not make the same or similar jumps uh, in his two years that Ivy did. Like Ivy went from 26 to 36% from three point range, freshman over sophomore year. And that's shooting 97 three pointers as a freshman at Purdue 179 last season, his two point percentage, his foul shooting. Those are increased. 
Ivy's assist rate, that went up. His free throw rate went drastically up, nearly 15 percentage points. His foul rate, even though he was playing seven more minutes per game, Ivy's foul rate actually dropped, which shows you that he did not fatigue. He did not wear down. What will any coach tell you? Guys that play tired will foul more. Did not happen with Ivy. So um, I understand the desire to want to make the John Morant comparison. I just, I think it's it's a little bit there. I just don't okay, think you know what, players. No, I, because you know you know what's part of the comparison too. I think the hair. It's similar hairstyles, so people see that it kind of looks the same. You might be right about that, actually. I, the hair the hair is similar. Uh, no, John, ja, if you're looking for what improvement. The Grizzlies want John Morant to make from year three to year four. And we're talking about a 22-year-old second-team All-NBA guy. So keep that in mind. He's like a superstar already. But how about has he beat your guy now pull-up jumper, pull-up floater? Like don't attack the rim as often as you attack the rim because yeah, he's, he's, he's you know, he, he, you get hit hard when you go to the rim as consistently as he gets hard, as he goes to the rim and you can land awkwardly, uh, just jumping like that all the time takes a toll on your knees. Um, the, you know, the Grizzlies would like to see more, uh, you know, two bounce, pull up three bounce, pull do very quick. Don't attack the rim every time. And honestly at Purdue, um, uh, Jay Ivey sort of played similarly. Like 40, you know, a little more than 40% of his field goal attempts were threes. Um, and then another you know, roughly 37% were at the rim. So like 78% of his field goal attempts are either threes or at the rim. There's not very much, you know, mid-range stuff in there. He only took um, only 22% of his uh, field goal attempts were, were two-point jumpers. And he only shot 32% on those two-point jumpers. So there's not a lot of mid-range stuff there. But if you're looking for a positive, because of his body, he's better equipped, you know, to get to the rim and take those, um, take those hits. Uh, he's better equipped than, than, than Ja was at the same age and Ja is right now. Um, where I think the, the Ja comparison really falls apart is, like, Ja is a point guard. And Ja, ja like, has incredible vision, sees things happening before they're happening, and I don't think Jaden really, I don't think that's a strength for him. And I'm not sure that it ever will be. You know, he averaged 3.1 assists, 2.6 turnovers per game this past season. Now, some of that's just, you know, charges from driving to the rim. And you're going to get a lot of charges in college basketball. So some of it's that. Some of it is he would just drive into people and then lose it. Uh, but he doesn't see the court like John Morant sees the court. He doesn't pass the ball like John Morant uh, passes the ball. And, I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, but my experience with point guards is that the vision it's either there or it isn't like you can get better taking care of the ball, making better passes, all that stuff. But for the most part, I think you can either see things develop or you can't. I, I remember when Lonzo ball was in college and I would talk to people about him and they said he can see, um, he can see passes that other point guards can't see. And then he can make them in ways that other point guards can't make them. Uh, like, like not every point guard can see what what Lonzo sees. But even if they then the, then there are some that can, but they can't make the pass. He can see it, and then he can make the pass. John Morant can see it and make the pass. Lamelo Ball, I, I think, can see it and make the pass. I'm not sure that'll 
I'm not sure that's a strength of Jaden Ivey right now, which is, again, I get it. Athleticism, the dunks, um, the great first step, the hair, uh, you know, the, the fact that his mother used to coach John Morant. I get why people yeah. gravitate to that, but it is not, as you pointed out, it's not apples to apples. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The other thing, I generally agree with your point on passing. I think players can get better, but I think there is uh, something of a of a learn-slash-natural instinct that basketball players have and you really develop that by the time you get out of high school um it can improve but i do think that a lot of that can be innate and you either have it or you don't um i will say i was looking at ivy synergy stats um and because he's a really good iso player now Josh's going to distribute more that might also uh play a part of it i mean According to Synergy, Ivy averaged 1.056 points per possession in all of his ISO situations. That's pretty good. Now, when you get to him single covered, it's up to nearly 1.08, which is, again, that's that's points per possession, including the misses, the whole deal, right? He's more, how about this? He's more efficient in those situations going to his left than his right. Kind of speaks to his athleticism there, even though he's right-handed. And yet, when he comes off screens and shoots, He's still hitting 56% of his shots there. So uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful pick and roll player. Like very, very good at here's where I think he actually does excel. When the plays in the, and I heard this from a, from a few NBA people as well. I said, go look at when they ran pick and roll stuff on occasion with Purdue or when Ivy would play himself into it. He was really, he had a good instinct about when to find the role man. And they would often have success on that. Now, they're not going to go to it. It's not going to be as absolute bread and butter every single time. But it speaks to the respect that teams and defenders had for his ability to shoot, to drive off the pick and roll. He's obviously great in transition. There is a lot there. There's a reason why that he's still in the conversation to potentially go as high as number two. You know, he hasn't had, as a reminder, anyone listening to this podcast now, just a, just a just so you know, the teams that are up there at one, two, three, four, and five, they have not yet met with any of these prospects to have their workouts at their team facilities. Like Orlando has not had Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey. They, hadn't, they haven't had them in yet. Neither has Oklahoma City, neither has Houston. They will soon, but once they get these guys 
on their campuses, so to speak, do the interviews, do the measurements, see the workouts there. There's just still a belief that Ivy's going to be able to pass every single test imaginable that you could that you could want. And because of that, make the decision that much more uh, difficult overall. And instead of jaw, to me, two players that stick out that I think he might be able to resemble and grow into. And this would kind of be a combo of the both. First player I'm going to mention is still playing right now in the playoffs. He's not Ivy does not have this guy's defense. But when you look at what Jalen Brown has been able to evolve in offensively, he's a little bit of a bigger guy. No doubt about it. Jalen Brown's bigger than Jaden Ivy. Um, not tremendously bigger, but still bigger. I can see. And he, he's a he's a relatively recent top five pick. So I'm trying to get guys that were certainly first round picks. But you know who actually he kind of reminds me of a little bit is if you go back to what Tim Hardaway Jr. was coming out of college. I, I looked up Hardaway stats for his career is averaging 14 points, three rebounds, almost two assists. Now he has been injured plenty. He started half the games of his career. So he hasn't been, uh, the production there is not what you would want out of someone you're, you're drafting in the top five. I get that. But um, to me, when I see how Tim Hardaway Jr. plays, that's closer to what I think Jaden Ivey would be than necessarily John Morant. Yeah, there's still some jaw there, but overall fabulous prospect. I mean, he, if you can so clearly Paris see the evolution over the past two seasons, including, do you remember last year when he was playing with USA Basketball, um, U19 team, and uh, and there was just a, a there was a ton a ton of buzz about the leap that he was making, and it kind of led into his sophomore season where that that wound up bearing out. He was he would the hype was legitimate. He was really 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 good. Um, he was he got you know. He got traction as a potential top 10 pick going into the season. That wound up being clear. The only thing is it ended with a whimper. Nine points and six turnovers against St. Peter's when Purdue got knocked out of the tournament. Nine points and six turnovers against St. Peter's. It's not going to prevent him from going in the top five or anything like that. But I remember watching that game and being like, this has got to be Jaden Ivey's moment. And it just wasn't. He took the three that I either would have won it or tied it uh, at the, on Purdue's final possession. Didn't go in. And... Um, that was just bizarre. But I do very, very much like his game. Um, I don't think he's a guarantee to hit. Because, again, a lot of these guys will not to the point where they're playing up to their draft spot GP. But hard not to like just how much he can do on offense and, and really how much he can continue to grow. He just, he's got the body for it, the athleticism for it. Just want to see if he really wants to commit to being a, a high-level defender. Because I think he can get there. But, again, question is, does he want to? Yeah, listen, he, he wasn't great defensively. Um, but... He's a top-shelf athlete, so that can be fixed. I mean, there was a lot of ball-watching and lack of focus, but that's a normal thing in college, especially for guys who are carrying such a heavy burden on the offensive end. Like, I'm just not that concerned about it. Like, he's a 6'4 athlete with a 6'9 wingspan. Like, it just, for him, there are some guys we're going to talk about leading up to this draft where we go, it's really going to be a problem defensively for him. You know, he just doesn't move his feet well. He's limited here or whatever. It's, it, there's no physical limitations that prevent Jay Nivey from being um, a, a respectable defender and on, honestly, even a, a really good defender. So that just comes down to do you want to do it and, do you, and, and can you consistently stay mentally engaged? And I'm going to trust that I'm not concerned about that. That, that would not turn me off. The question, the bigger question for me is, 
do you believe in the shot? Because that's the biggest difference between his freshman and sophomore year, outside of you know normal basic production stuff. He shot twenty five point eight percent from three on four point two attempts per game as a freshman. As a sophomore, thirty five point eight percent from three on five attempts per game. Like, do you believe that improvement is real, and do you believe there's more room to grow? Because Jaden Ivey without a jump shot is a limited player. Jaden Ivey, who is a real consistent threat from the three-point line, like he was in his sophomore year at Purdue, well, that's a guy who can become a star. That's an all-star level. That's a guy who can become an all-star. And if you go back and watch uh, the possessions, like he was taking deep threes too. You know, he was taking NBA threes too. So to me, if you're an evaluator, you know, with the fourth pick, the fifth pick, whatever, you know, the second pick, the third pick, you, you want to, I, I don't have a lot of questions about, I, I have some questions about whether he's really a point guard or whether he's really going to be most effective as a point guard. And then my next question is like, do we believe he's a real shot maker from the perimeter? Um, is he, is he, is he, I don't think he's a 26% three point shooter. Like he was as a freshman. Yeah. But, but is he actually a 36% three point shooter? Like he was as a sophomore. And if so, can he even get better? You know, can he shoot 39% from three in the NBA, 41% from three in the NBA? If you tell me he can do those things, now we've, we've got some all-star potential. My last thought on this is I have genuine concern. I, you know, I, I have genuine concern if he goes to Sacramento, man. Like, I do like his potential, but he could just get lost there. Like, De'Aaron Fox has been a good pro. He's just lost there. Like, a lot of these guys, they just go to Sacramento, and then they're just... They're well, in the middle of nowhere. Like, no, I, I just don't know if he is dynamic enough, Parrish, that he can like that he can change the direction of the franchise. And maybe he shouldn't be tasked with that as a four pick. I get all that, but I I, I feel like with his skill set, uh, he might be better served for his career if he winds up going elsewhere. Maybe he winds up going to Sacramento. I'm just and he could be good there, but I just ultimately don't know if it's well, like this is, look this up is, four years. It's like, dude, remember how awesome Jaden Ivey was? What's he doing these days? Yeah, he's averaging 18 and seven for Sacramento, and they're still finishing 13th in the West. Like, you know, I don't know if that's what we're destined for here. Well, this is where you can refuse to go work out for them. You could just say, I, I'll work out for Detroit at five, but I'm not working out for you at four, and try to make it less likely that you go there because the history is not great with that franchise and you know, they've got real ownership problems. Like there's, uh, it does not have a great reputation. Uh, you know, it reminds me of something I said leading into last year's draft. Cause there was a debate. I hope I've got this right. Like who should go Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes? Like who you taking there? And I remember saying at one point, because uh, it was like, no, who's going to be better, Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes? And I said, whichever one Toronto takes. Because yeah. uh, and Suggs has been good, but Barnes was like a top two rookie this year. So yeah, he's a rookie of the year. So it was like whichever one Toronto takes, that's the one that'll be better, because that franchise is well structured, well run. Um, they've got stability, and they seem to know how to develop players in ways that some other franchises don't. And if we're speaking highly about Toronto, Miami, San Antonio in that way, then the other end of the spectrum is the Sacramento franchise. So I know on a surface level, you want to go as high as you can go in a draft, but that's just not always true. Um, so if Jaden Ivey 
um, ended up not going. Let's say he doesn't go one, two, three, but he also doesn't go four. It, it might not be the the worst thing in the world. Bottom line, I like him. Uh, not a sure thing, obviously, but it is not hard for me to envision him becoming an all star in this league. Like you, at his best, he looks like a you know a possible NBA all star, and you know t- to have him you know, possibly available with the fourth pick and you can still hold that other opinion as well. Uh, That speaks to the talent, I think, at the top of this draft. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Thank you for enjoying the podcast visually Uh, before you leave please make sure to smash that like button and we will talk to you again real real soon till then take care okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.